Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Today, you are in for a treat. In my hand, I have three bags. And before our time is out, I am going to attempt to juggle these three bags for 30 seconds. Can I do it? Let's see some hands. How many people here think I can juggle these three bags for 30 seconds? Hands up. Okay. You are the light of the world. God bless you. How about other hands? How many people, hands up, think I would not be able to do this? Man, that's the majority right there. Gonna have to wait to find out. Knowing Jesus. We're teaching through the Gospel of Luke, and last week we finished up chapter 5. There were like five passages in chapter 5. So we get to chapter 6. That's the summary. Basically, it's Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to get to that in a couple of weeks. This week we're going to get to chapter 7. First passage in chapter 7. Let's start where this passage ends. Luke 7, verse 9. When Jesus heard this, He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Well, his faith must have been pretty big because Jesus, he had seen some pretty serious faith. Jesus said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Great faith is that Something that God would say about you. Faith. When we can't see it, when we don't feel it, when we don't understand it, but still believe it. That's faith. A conviction that God can and a hope that God will. That's faith. Believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. That's faith. Right? Isn't that faith? There's a common, fundamental misunderstanding about faith that we can find that God tells us about right here in Luke chapter 7. Let's back up. The passage begins with this, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant... Well, a centurion was a military leader in the Roman army who had command over a hundred men. His servant was sick. He was dying slowly. He was in great pain. So the way that this passage starts, we read this, and for me, I'm thinking, well, that's kind of sad. I don't like it when that happens in life. Those are the things in life that are hard to understand. Suffering, sickness, disease, those are the kind of things that can trip people up spiritually. We think, well, why suffering? How could God allow that? Is he good? Where is he? What's he doing? 
a word of clarification about suffering as we look at this passage. Sin, sickness, disease, pain, death. These were not a part of God's original design. The last verse in the creation account in Genesis tells us this. Genesis 1.31 God saw all that he had made and it was very good. God saw all that he had made, and it was what? Yeah, very good. That means in the beginning there was no sickness. There was no suffering, no sin, no death, no disease, no pain. We didn't need prisons. We didn't need police. We didn't need soldiers. Everything that God made, well, it was all good. So what happened? Well, the first three chapters of Genesis tell us what happened. People chose not to trust God. People chose not to obey God. They said, you know, we we figure that we can determine what's good and what's bad for ourselves. We can figure out what's right and wrong on our own. We don't need God for that. And so they did what God told them was not good to do. And Genesis tells us what happened. Verse 17 in chapter 3. God says, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Because of who? Because of you. When you see suffering and pain and disease, don't go blaming God. Sin and suffering, well, they're a part of our world because... Humanity opened that door. God is good, but this world is not. It's broken. It's fallen. Things are not the way that God originally intended them to be. All right, let's keep going. Verse 2. There, a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. That doesn't mean that this servant was suffering because of something that he did. But because pain, it's now in the house. Experiencing pain in a sin-filled world, that's not abnormal. That, that's normal. As we start looking at this passage, I imagine that some of you can identify, you can relate with this servant in this story. Maybe for you, you know, your body, it's not well. Maybe it's a friend who hurt you. Maybe it's a spouse who betrayed you. Maybe it's a job that eats you up. Maybe it's a financial reality that is is just consuming you. Maybe you're just filled with a deep, lurking sense of emptiness. Some of us, maybe we can relate more to the centurion. We're not the one personally suffering, but someone that we care deeply about is, and our hearts are heavy. We heard for them. Verse 2, there was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. Now notice who was suffering. It wasn't the centurion's son. It wasn't the centurion's daughter. It wasn't the centurion's family at all. It was this guy's servant. This centurion, we see from the get-go, there's something unique about this guy. He was different. He cared about his servant. 
He cared about people who were under him. He cared about the people that were working for him. So he was troubled by the sickness in this guy's life. He brought it to Jesus. Verse 6. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. How many of you would do that? If Jesus were coming to your house, would you do that? I don't think I would. I think I'd probably pull out my phone, take a selfie with Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? You know, you could put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, be like, hey, look at me. I'm important. I'm with Jesus. Jesus, he came to my house. That's not what this guy did. I think God's specifically showing us this guy did something quite different than than what we would expect. Continues, verse 6. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Zero sense of entitlement. He says, that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But, say the word, and my servant will be healed. This centurion, he's different. He's unique. We see this as a deeply humble man. He goes on, says this in the next verse, verse 8. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does it. See, this centurion, he was a military man. He understood some things. Well, one, he understood who Jesus is. He understood that Jesus is the sovereign God who has come into history as the person of Jesus. And he's a military man. He understands rank. He understands chain of command. He understands authority. This centurion, he rules over a hundred, but he recognizes Jesus. Jesus rules over all. For some of us, our understanding of Jesus is way too small. He's not just my helper. He's not just my guide. He's not just, you you know, my, my comforter. He's not just my friend. This centurion, he got it. He understood that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Almighty, that he's the authority, that he's the judge, that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, God. He recognized Jesus is at the very top. He doesn't answer to us. We answer to him. That changes things. So when this centurion went to Jesus, he didn't barter with Jesus. He didn't negotiate with Jesus, and he didn't make any demands of Jesus. He simply said, you are the Lord. I am not. I am under you. I am not deserving. I am not entitled. And so I I humbly ask. Ask. Is that the way you do it? When you got a, a want or an issue or a challenge in life, do you approach God like that? 
Look how Jesus responded to this humble request. Verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Even in Israel. There's a little something to that. What they're recognizing is this centurion, he was an outsider. He wasn't Jewish. Modern day equivalent, he wasn't raised in a church. Jesus was saying, hey, citizenship in my kingdom, it's not based on where you came from. It's not based on your family. It's not based on your church membership. It's based on one thing, your relationship, your faith in Jesus. John puts that concept this way. Read this with me. It's 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Join me. It says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, being a part of this kingdom of God. It's not based on where we come from. It's not based on what we do. Rather, it's based on what he's done. Jesus, he came. He lived a life without sin. He offers that life, sacrificed it on the cross to cover our sins. And it's just a matter of when we say, man, I'm there. I've made some mistakes. There's been some sin in my life. I just share that. I confess that. I can't undo that. I can't redo that. I can't make up for that. Here's what I need. Jesus, I need you. I need what you did on that cross for me, for my forgiveness, so that I can have life. When we do that, And then we say, man, you did that for me. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to follow you. When we do that, doesn't matter where we come from, doesn't matter where we've been, we're in. We're in his kingdom. We're in his family. This centurion, he didn't grow up in Israel. He didn't grow up in the church, but he had faith in Jesus. What happened? Verse 10. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Jesus did it. Jesus healed him. His terrible suffering, it was gone. His disease, it was conquered. His body healed. So, can I do this? Do you have faith? Do you believe that I can juggle three bags for 30 seconds? Let's find out. Here we go. I I know, I got to get a couple more bags in there. Don't start your clocks yet. Now you can start them. (laughs) A little early on the clap. I appreciate that though. But there's like, did you feel that sudden gust of wind? It just kind of came through here. Well, let me try this one more time. That wasn't a very good attempt. Oh, way behind me. I didn't even make it for 10 seconds, did I? <laughs> so I failed. I failed. Here's the question, why? 
Was it because of a lack of faith? Well, let, let me maybe ask you this. For those of you who believe that I could juggle these bags for 30 seconds, what do you know about my juggling skills? Maybe you know that I'm a follower of Jesus. And maybe you know that I, I teach the Bible. But have you ever seen me juggle? See, this, this has nothing to do with the amount of faith. This has everything to do with the amount of my skill or lack thereof. Right? Got that? Verse 9. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even is Israel. Here's the principle. It's not just the amount of faith. It's about the recipient of our faith. Who or what are you putting your faith in? There's this common belief in the culture that we live that's this. It's all about me. We live in a very me-centric reality, and this can infiltrate into our spirituality, into our faith, when we start thinking about, well, it's all about my faith. If I can just get enough faith, if I can find a way to just muster up a little bit more faith, then it's all going to turn out the way that I want it to. Is that the way that faith works? Is faith, is it based on me? How much faith I have, does that really affect the outcome? Is that true? Because that, that's not what this shows us. The amount of your faith, it doesn't really matter if the recipient of your faith is inadequate. It's not so much about the amount of faith. It's about the recipient of your faith. Is the recipient, is the one that you are putting faith in, credible? Through this passage, God, he's not just asking, do you have faith? How much of it do you have? He's asking, who or what are you putting your faith in? Example. When you're faced with a challenge or you're faced with a a problem in life, what do you do? Do you have a tendency to bring it to God? To seek his wisdom. Maybe get counsel from other wise followers of Jesus. Or is your gut reaction, I can do this. I'm smart enough. I'm seasoned enough. I'm capable enough. I'm competent enough. I can handle it. I can deal with it. I can navigate through this. I have faith. Okay, that's faith. But who's that faith in? That That's not faith in God. That, that's faith in me. Example, how easy is it to put our faith into the desired outcome that we have? It's pretty common. We think things like, well, I'm sick, so I'm going to have faith that I will be physically healed. I'm in financial turmoil. I have faith that God, he's going to give me a raise. I'm underemployed, so I'm going to have faith that God's going to get me a better job. I'll pray. I'll play really, 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 really hard. I'll twist God's arm, and I'll convince him into doing my will, my way, at my time. Who is that faith in? That's faith, but it's not faith in God. 
It's not faith in God's way. It's not faith in God's plan. That, that's faith in me. That's faith in my way. That's faith in my plan. That's faith in my time frame. That's me saying, I know what's best. That's not really faith in God. That's faith in me. And we can subtly integrate that into our spirituality. We have faith. Our faith, is it in God or is our faith really in ourselves? You know, you know what we need? We, we don't need... We don't need more faith with this. We just need a better juggler, right? I mean, it's better to have a tiny faith in a great juggler than to have great faith in a bad one. It's not so much about the amount of our faith. It's more about the capacity, the capability of the one that we are putting our faith in. With that in mind, let me tell you a little something about God. God, he's a good juggler. God, he's worthy of our faith. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing right now, if your image, if your image of Jesus is a nice, kind, Galilean peasant in a dress who has nicely feathered hair and hugs kids and holds baby lambs, let the Bible give you a different image of Jesus. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true that that's an image of the resurrected jesus with justice he judges and wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of god The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth as a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. He, he has the skill. He has the ability. He has all the power you need. He is the author of history. He is the agent of all creation. He is the king of the whole works. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of earth. He's the king under the earth. There are none equal to him and there will be none above him. What problem, what pain, what challenge are you facing today? Whatever it is, he has the power. He has the ability. And he's not just powerful. He's also good. Remember this? The cross. The cross shows us he's mighty. And he loves you. The cross shows us he's powerful and 
He cares about you. The cross shows us this God of ours, He's sovereign and He's also good. Do you know anybody else like that? I don't. Not even close. Why did I fail? Failed because I'm a bad juggler. The amount of of your faith, it doesn't really matter if the recipient of your faith is inadequate. Because faith, it isn't the belief that I'm going to get what I want, how I want, when I want it. Because biblical faith, it isn't even a belief that you hold. It's a person you trust. Jesus. He has the power. And he's good. Do you trust him? Really? With whatever it is that you're facing today, with whatever it is that you're going through today, do you really trust him? Do you trust that his ways are right? Because he lays them out for us in the Bible, but they are not what we see in the culture around us. If we're going to follow him, we are going to be different. Do you trust that God knows what is best even when things aren't going the way that we want? Even when we don't understand? Let me offer a suggestion. Rather than trying to dig really deep and muster a little bit more faith, try this. Get to know him better. Press in. Pursue him. Seek him. Spend time with him. Spend time reading the Bible. Spend time sharing with him in prayer. Spend time with his other followers and obey him. Even if you don't fully understand, why is he saying that one? Obey him and just see what happens. Try it. Test it. Follow him and see where it goes. Because the better that you know him, the more you'll trust him. The closer we get to Jesus, the more reason we'll have. And the trust and the faith, it will just naturally start to flow out. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday. And we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.